0: Hey, what's going on? Jason Bay here. You're listening to Blissful Prospecting. Super pumped that you're here checking it out. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, this show is for reps and sales teams who love landing big meetings with prospects but hate having to deal with not interested emails (laughs) in response to all the hard work that you spend writing that cold email and personalizing it only to get someone to say not interested or prospects to hang up on you when you're making cold calls. So if that's ever happened to you, or people on your team that you're managing, you're definitely in the right place. Today, we're talking to my man, Jeff Bajoric. and we're coming at you with another episode of Sales Rants. So we've been doing these uh, sales rants for a while, my friend Jeff and I, and one of the things that... We do is we end up blocking off an hour for, you know, these quote unquote sales rants. And sometimes we'll, we only get to one or two rants because we're catching up on so much other stuff. So the sort of backstory into how I met Jeff was, you know, a couple years ago, I was in 2018 at a conference. It was in Austin, actually, when I was living there, the Sales Success Summit, which I highly recommend checking out. Scott Ingram runs. It's a great conference. Yeah, and I had known of his work, and I think he had seen me around him. We just sort of said hi to each other and started talking. And, you know, I asked him, hey, Jeff, do you have this you know, challenge that I have where you don't really know other sales coaches, trainers, people like us that do what we do? And he's like, well, no, Jason, I don't, actually. <laughs> and uh, we were talking about we uh, both know Jeffrey Ginnemer. I'm not besties with him by any means, but I've been on their podcast a couple times and gotten to interact with him. Wrote a book called The Little Red Book of Selling, the very first sales book I read. So we kind of talked about that a little bit, and we've been very good friends since then. He's introduced me to a ton of people, which I'm extremely grateful for. So every time we talk, I guess the point I was going to bring up here is we got two rants coming at you. Normally we'd have four, but uh, yeah, we spent like 45 minutes talking about other stuff. So so we got two. Uh, The two topics we're talking about today are how to find a balance in your level of confidence. So how do you strike a balance between, you know, being someone that lacks confidence and doesn't get what you want and someone that's just arrogant or cocky, right? How do you find a balance between those two? And the second thing we're going to talk about is when we're doing discovery, how do we connect to something bigger than surface level pain? So this is the number one mistake that I see many, many reps, do when I listen to their discovery calls. So that, that first intro call, and maybe some of you combine a demo into that call. The number one mistake I hear is that someone will share a pain or a frustration around something taking too long to do or needing to get some sort of thing fixed or combining tools and we don't dig in to like really look at the impact of that. So we're gonna talk about that. There's gonna be some good stuff there. Before we get to the episode, If you're listening to this, I want to tell you about Outbound Squad. So you may have heard me talk about it a couple of times in this podcast. And the big thing I know is that if you're listening to this podcast and you are a top rep or want to become a top rep at your company, in your industry, I think we all know that top reps don't sit around listening to podcasts and watching webinars all day, right? They implement and take action. And you get better by spending time on two activities, either opening up new deals, which I talk about a lot in this podcast, and what we're starting to talk about more is closing. It's what you do in between that really matters and moves the needle. So how are you finding specific information around how to improve from a skill set standpoint so you're getting a better ROI in your time? How are you surrounding yourself with top performers? You know, Me meeting Jeff was a really big thing, right? surrounding myself with other people in my business that are doing much better than me. And then three, how do we get really great coaching, right? And help when we're stuck. And this is exactly why I started Outbound Squad. What I was really thinking, honestly, I'm a big fan of that movie 300, <laughs> you know, with Leonidas. And I was thinking, how can I build a crew of 300 sales Spartans? And how cool would it be to work with all the top reps I've worked at, all the companies I've worked with? How cool would it be to have a group with just the top reps? So if that sounds like something that you would benefit a lot out of, Reach out to me, Jason at blissfulprospecting.com. Put the word "squad" in the subject line, and I'll help you get some more information on the program. It is a paid program. It's not easy to get into. There's an application process. We only want the best, but we got reps in there. Scheduling one out of every three cold calls they connect on with for a meeting. We have reps with double-digit reply rates. We have really clever ways that people are responding to not interested or I have a provider and then turning that around and getting a meeting. And we feature some really cool, badass guest trainers, folks like Nick Sigelski, who's been on the podcast, Megan Michiac, who's been on the podcast. Um, So yeah, we talk about prospecting and outbound, we talk about closing and we talk about how to develop yourself in your career. So if you're up for the challenge, email me, Jason at blissfulprospecting.com, put squad in the subject line and I'll get some more info over to you. All right, let's get to the sales ramp. So we've talked about confidence a lot and it's mm-hmm. been something that I, oh man, when COVID hit, I'll give you an example. My confidence was super rattled for like a couple of days. You too? <laughs> yeah. And I've gone through different kind of levels and what I think of confidence and how I think about it and myself has kind of morphed uh, in the last year and a half. But what are your thoughts on confidence? Do you think we should have a balance of being really humble and then being overconfident and you got to land somewhere in the middle like how how should we think about this as sellers what's your take
1: it's really hard to balance something like that because there are sometimes you really need to be an extremely confident right you you can't afford to walk into a prospect or or to a discovery call or particularly like a finals presentation and just be like well I don't know if, you know, we'll see if it were like, you've gotta be on it because look, bees, dogs, and customers can smell fear. And if you're not there, then you're gonna have a real hard, I mean, if if you're not fully confident, you're gonna have a really hard time delivering what you need to deliver. And if anybody listening or watching right now, like got the Jerry Maguire reference that I threw in there that might actually be older than most people watching this, then kudos to you, you win a prize. So how do you balance extreme confidence? right? If it's really a balancing act and the pendulum has to go all the way back to the other side, how do you balance that like extreme? I don't even know what the opposite of confidence is, right? (laughs) You know what I mean? That's If that tips you off to my answer, right? You have to certainly control it. It can't just be Mm. unbridled and and you can't let it run rampant because nobody likes those people. But tell me what isn't attractive about being self-assured, about having some swagger, and about knowing that you're really good at what you do. The product or the service, the solution that you sell is really, really helpful and worth every penny and then some for what people will pay for it. I think the problem comes when people try to balance something that doesn't need to be balanced. And then in an effort to not come off as cocky or not be too salesy or whatever, they forget that you gotta have some swagger and you still have to sell things. And I think we need to focus on the good things about confidence and that kind of emotion instead of trying to be anti the bad things. It's brutal grammar, but I think you know what I'm saying. Well,
0: I think a big fear, you sort of alluded to this, that people have is coming off as you know arrogant. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking of this as you were saying it. I think the big difference between someone that is very confident in themselves versus someone that is arrogant is that a confident person is like i'm okay being wrong yeah i'm open minded you know i can come in and really be self assured about something you know cuz my wife sarah and i sometimes we get into arguments too where it's i borderline on the on arrogance when i'm so sure about something and i end up being wrong about it right <laughs> It's because I came in with an unwillingness to potentially be wrong or open for feedback. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That might be the difference. I don't know. what what, What do you feel like the difference is between someone that's confident versus someone that comes off as an arrogant asshole?
1: I think you didn't say it exactly this way, but I start thinking in terms of tunnel vision, right? I'm arrogant when it's my way or the highway and it's, this is right. I actually, I had a boss. I didn't work for him very long. He said, Jeff, just do it how I told you. I already made all the mistakes, so I've figured out the best way to do it. So I'm just, you just do what I tell you. That was really arrogant, right? Not only does it miss the point of kind of trying to train an employee, but it was really, really arrogant or, you know, walking in like you're just better than everybody else and not acknowledging other people and not having any empathy and, and not recognizing that someone else's experience might just be a little different than your own. That comes off as arrogant. And that is, that's repellent to people, Right. But I think confidence is something that gets a bad rap because it's too closely related to arrogance. I don't know about you. I like being around confident people. Oh, yeah. I really like being around confident people. I think that is attractive. And I think that a lot of people, your customers certainly feel that way. If you carry yourself with that level of confidence, people want some of that, you know, but if you carry yourself with an arrogance, people, you know, are repelled by it. So I think it's important that you know what you bring to the table. You know what your solution brings to the table and that you um, you don't shortchange yourself because you're afraid of what that could be. Be secure in it, right? And I think there's a certain level of insecurity that goes along with arrogance.
0: Yeah. One last little quick thing on this, I think, too, that that made me think about is, you know, confidence is very peer-to-peer. It's, I want to help you, and I'm very confident mm-hmm. that what I have here can do that based on what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Versus arrogance is almost trying to establish some level of authority or dominance over the other person where your, your ex-boss, for example, it's, I've already figured this out. There's nothing, Jeff, that you could possibly do that's better than what I've done. Right. That's just complete arrogance and idiocracy. If that's a word, idiocy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Idiocy <laughs> is a movie. Idi- or, I'm sorry, idiocy is a word, idiocracy was a movie. That's where you're- um... Cool. So look, we know that a lot of people sell things that help their customers, their prospects with certain pains that they have. But the problem with that is that, all your competitors are trying to solve the same pains, right? So it's really easy to be commoditized. It's really easy to be looked upon as very similar to all your competitors. When everything is very surface level, we help you save 15% or more on your car insurance in a 15 minute phone call or whatever. Like let's, just a generic, generic example. Everybody in personal and auto insurance is about cost and you're paying too much for something that you hopefully don't need to use. Right. But, I think it's a great salesperson, a real true professional who can help their prospects connect on a higher level than just that surface level pain. You and I chatted a little bit before we pressed record here today. I really like where you're going with this concept. Can you unpack it a little bit for everybody that's uh, paying attention right now?
0: Yeah, I'll give you a really good example because a lot of the things that people either do as a service or sell as a product, whether it be software or whatever, is this promise of we can replace everything that you're doing right now and make it more simple and cheaper too. so it's we can combine those 10 tools you're using right now into one yeah all of that manual work that your team is doing right now you can just outsource it all to us and we come one point of contact right So when a prospect comes to you and says, hey, you know, it's really frustrating. I'm using all these different tools right now and it just eats up hours out of my day. That's not a compelling enough reason to buy your six-figure plus software. right? Because That's gonna automatically put you in this conversation of, well, they can save me more money than you can. And you know what? You can combine 10 tools into two and that we still need one of those tools and we need yours but they can get rid of that altogether, Yeah. right? And what you need to really do, I think, is is three things, and I'll focus on one of them, but I kind of look at the sales process and what you're trying to accomplish in in three kind of areas. One is you need to connect. So you need to connect to something bigger. And a lot of times when people try to connect with a prospect, they try to connect on why us, Mm -hmm. why our tool is the best. And what we need to really do is connect to that bigger picture priority, that thing that they're trying to accomplish. And at the same time, we need to do one other thing, and that's quantify. So we need to quantify whatever the impact is of this. And the last thing is this control, you know, controlling the narrative. The narrative in the buyer's head when they come to you is, well, we just need to remove the complexity from our process and save a little bit of money. You can completely change that narrative. So I'll give you an example. So with that contracting company, they sell an ERP software that combines four or five different tools, payroll, project management, bidding, all of that into one. Now, if you look at what they're trying to accomplish with those tools, And this is where a lot of sales reps get stuck on. Well, how do we help them quantify it if they don't know? Ask them. (laughs) What would you want to know about someone's goal? The the most basic thing in the world when it comes to goals is smart goals, right? Right. So, Jeff, you come in and say, "Hey, what I want to do is save some money and and combine some of these tools." Well, what are you trying to accomplish? What's the bigger thing that that's going to help you do? Well, maybe this, this. Oh, and I'm really curious. So, this is the M in smart goals. How would you measure whether or not that was successful? Mm -hmm. Is there a KPI that you're trying to drive? Is it a certain profit margin that you're trying to drive? And then now all of a sudden we're in a conversation with, oh, we're trying to triple revenue over the next 12 months. One thing that's really gotten in the way of doing that is the volatility of materials cost. And this is a 20% swing plus or minus on a $300,000 project is our materials. We don't know what that's going to be. Now you've connected to something way bigger than software. Right, You're able to quantify it now because now I can go into those things. I know what that fluctuation in price is on materials. And that actually, this tool is not going to help you save $10,000 a year on the software you're using. No, this actually might help you fix what is a $30,000 problem with every single project that you work on. Let's talk about that, Right. that is the way bigger thing. And I just kind of dumped a lot, but that's, I wanted to give a really practical example because you have to get to that. And then for the people you're selling to, there's just no question that they would want to talk to you over the rep that's like, well, you know what, I figured out we could save another $29 a month actually. Cause I noticed you're using Calendly right. and we could replace your, your calendar tool too. And it's like, why be in that conversation when you could talk about something so much bigger that C-levels
1: actually care about. That's how you multi-thread and get these people involved. Well, and it's interesting because it's that surface level stuff that's easy. It's almost like, you know, the the example you gave right there, it's almost like they have a shopping cart and they're just going through your closet and they're saying, oh, we can can replace this for you, put it in the bag. Oh, we can replace this for you, put it in the cart, whatever it is. And it's like, look, we've turned around and we've saved you $180 a, a month. That's whatever, it's a couple grand a year. What happens then when someone comes right behind you and does all that, but for $50 a month less than what you do? right? I learned early on that you lose business the same way you get it. And so if you're going to make it about surface level, if you're going to make it about money, if you're going to make it about convenience, if you're going to make it about something fluffy and nondescript like customer service without providing real indelible examples with specific outcomes tied to them, then you are essentially changing the conversation just enough to allow other people in it. But if you can take it a level further, if you can Help them understand not just your features and benefits, but the value you provide and the outcomes that you can deliver as a result of the value you can provide. You change their motive to buy. And when you change their motive to buy, it's really hard to lose that business because someone is either going to have to get on the same bus that you're on, which is really tough to do because you've elevated yourself, or they're going to have to work every bit as hard as you. And then some. To change the motive to buy again, the way you sell is also the way you keep that business. And so many people don't get it. That's why you don't lose customers. It's why I don't lose customers. It's because we show them something that they've not seen before on a level they didn't previously comprehend. And it's a completely different approach from the beginning. That's why I love that you're breaking it down the way you are. Because of course, what you're really good at is making very complicated, big things much simpler and easier to digest, and you're a master at that. So I'm I'm really glad to to see that you're taking this approach, and I can't wait to hear more.
0: Oh man, I appreciate that. One last little thing on there, that control part, because you basically what you talked about and what we've been talking about is controlling the narrative. Yeah, just think about the story that your champion brings to the rest of the buying committee. Whose story is more compelling? You know, I talked to this guy. Jeff, and he figured out that we're overspending on software by about $400 a a month, and we've switched over, we can save $4,800. Well, I talked to this other guy, Jason. He actually showed me how this can help manage the variable cost in our materials that is plus or minus $30,000 on every project. And I think if we were only able to even redeem like a quarter of that, we looked at it, and I'm pretty confident we could probably save several hundred thousand dollars every quarter, by having a system that would help us, that's a very different story. Mm-hmm. So you got to help control the narrative that your champion work with them to tell the more compelling story because that's what's going to get the C-level folks to sign off on something and make change. Changing tools and making a person's life easier or a few people's lives, that's not enough to create enough change to you know spend hundreds of thousands
1: of dollars on something. Right. The learning curve is more costly than the amount you're going to save them at that point. Go with the, the bigger plan. You're you're talking about fundamentally changing an organization versus can I save you 15% on your car insurance? Right? Like that's that's a huge, huge deal. That was a fun one. The thing that for me that's
0: really big right now, that confidence piece that we talked about, and Anthony Ian if you haven't checked out his stuff, I, I highly recommend checking out his stuff. It's the salesblog.com. He's got three best-selling books, one, The Only Sales Guide You'll Ever Need, The Art of Closing, and the other one is called Eat Their Lunch. It's about competitive displacement and how to win business away from your competitors, which is really cool. But he's really who, for me, from a confidence standpoint, really talked just in conversations that we've had about this and, hey, you're better off being a little bit overconfident is what he told me. (laughs) And I was like, okay, (laughs) you know, Uh, that seemed to really, could really click with me and for me the confidence thing was how do we get from you know an 80 85 90% to an A plus how do we get that last 5 10 15% confidence wise because i really believe that's where 80% of your results are going to come from is if you can get that last little bit of confidence and really punch past any insecurity that you have around whatever makes you uncomfortable so appreciate you tuning in today would love if you subscribe and leave a review on the podcast helps grow the show get it in front of more people like you and also uh, keeps this thing going we do it for free so i would really appreciate that and uh we'll see you next episode